You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We're going to be talking about a specific place tonight. I'd just like to ask in the auditorium, how many can think of a specific place that you were at where God dealt with your heart and you made a decision for him. Would you raise your hand? I can remember a specific place. And, uh, you know, for me it was Camp Joy Bible Camp, and I don't remember the city, some small city in Illinois, and uh, nothing fancy about the camp at all, uh, but you know what? God showed up there. Let me just say that God can show up anywhere, and it uh, doesn't have to be a nice place. Uh, but we're going to talk about a specific place here uh, tonight. And Pastor mentioned on Sunday... Uh, I had mentioned to him that we're on vacation and, you know, when you're on vacation, you're looking for a church to attend. So it's hard to depict churches to attend uh, just by looking online. You don't really know exactly what it is. And they use all these new acronyms to describe their church. And you're like, well, what does that mean? So then you look it up and say, well, I'm not sure I identify like that. So you keep looking or whatever else. But uh, uh, we we went to a church and the pastor gave uh, an illustration. He said that there was a pastor, there was a church that was looking for a pastor, and the pulpit committee had called uh, individuals to come and uh, hadn't, hadn't found God's will yet, and then they found an individual to come and preach, and that, that guy came and preached for 15 minutes, and they said, oh man, this is great. The pulpit committee is like, this is what we're looking for, 15 minutes, we can be first in line to the dinner, true Baptist, amen, and uh, so they, they had him come back, and he preached again. The next time he preached, it was 14 minutes. Like, man, this is only getting better. So they signed the paperwork and said, man, you're hired. We're we're good to go here. And his first service, he preached for 45 minutes. And the pulpit committee was fuming mad. And they didn't know what to do, so they called an emergency meeting and said, this is not what we expected. This is not why we hired you. What's going on? And the pastor had had come and said, well, you know what? He said, I always start off the service with a lifesaver. And when the lifesaver is done, then I know it's time to wind it down. I reached into my pocket for a lifesaver, and I accidentally, it was a button. And he said, I sucked and sucked on that button for so long. He said, eventually had to swallow it in the end. And uh, I just want to say that I don't have anything in my mouth here tonight, so you don't have to be worried. But uh, Judges chapter 2, and uh, I'd like to just say tonight that I'm fearful for our nation. You know, the Bible says that we're not supposed to fear. Fear not, neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest, and maybe the correct word to use to describe it is discouraged or disheartened where where I see or I perceive that things are heading. It saddens me to think where America has come from and the lineage to where we are now, what it's becoming. And by the way, we have no one to blame but ourselves. What we need in this country is revival. We've come from a time where God was once sought after A time where God is now being removed from every aspect of our lives. We've devalued human life up to and including the murder of babies. There's a recent law that's either in legislation or passed, and I'll read you the specific language. It says, quote, Notwithstanding any other law, a person shall not be subject to civil or criminal liability or penalty or otherwise deprived of their rights under this article, based on their actions or omissions with respect to their pregnancy, 
or actual, potential, or alleged pregnancy outcome, including miscarriage, stillbirth, or abortion, or perinatal death due to a pregnancy-related cause. There basically says a coroner cannot even use information in a criminal case if there's a death of a baby and so on and so forth, and this is in the state of California. If you would have said that during my lifetime that it would be illegal to hold a church service, either in your home or in a building or in a parking lot, and by the way, other countries as well where they're literally going in and snatching people out and arresting them and taking the jail for having a church service, I would have told you that you're crazy. If you would have said during my lifetime that people would be confused or argue about what bathroom to use or what gender that they were or were not or choosing all genders and refer to themselves as they or them, I would have told you that you were crazy. Yet here we are in 2022. The resounding question is how did this happen? How did a nation that was founded upon God that's rooted in the Word of God whose founders routinely quoted Scripture turn to what we are to today. The Bible says in Judges chapter 2 and verse number 4, And it came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. In verse 5, And they called the name of that place Bochim. And they sacrificed there unto the Lord. And then verse number 10, and also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. With the Lord's help, I'd like to preach a message tonight entitled, Bokim. Bokim. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach the precious word of God. I pray that you'd help me to be emptied of myself, to be filled with your spirit, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have free reign during the service. Pray that you speak to hearts, for we ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. This word bokim can be described to be translated to mean weepers or a place of weeping. There's a location here that's entitled bokim. I asked that, you know, when I first started speaking, if you remember a place where you were, when God met with you, or when God did something in your heart. And I would wonder what took place that God got a hold of you. Maybe it was something that you were struggling with, a decision or a trial or a difficulty that you were facing, that you finally gave it over to God in that specific location, maybe on your knees by a bedside, or maybe laying uh, prone, and you, you, you know that God met with you, or God answered a prayer, or maybe it was something through the mail that you were praying for that God did, but let me just say this, we all need those times where God manifests and makes himself real in our lives. And I encourage you to write those times down and not forget them. I heard somebody speak recently and they asked, how do you remember things? And the individual said, I don't, I write them down. And I'm at that point in my life right now that I even need to write down, where's my wallet? <laughs> you know, write it down. Where are my keys? I need to write it down, otherwise I'm going to forget and, uh, but nonetheless, where, where is it that God met with you? Where is it that God did something in your life? How long ago was it that God met with you, that God did something in your heart, or God did something in your life that you knew that He was real? Maybe you're at a point in your life right now where you need that place. You yearn for that place to say, God, I, I need your touch. I need your power. I need your hand to get through a situation that's going on. A place called Bokim. 
a place of weeping. Maybe there's a trial or a difficulty that you're facing. There's been some weeping that's taken place. There's been some pouring out of your heart to God. We're in a situation here where the Bible says in verse number 4 that when they heard some things that took place, it says the people lifted up their voice and wept. And then they named the place Bokim, a place of weeping or weepers. You know, the, some of the saddest words that I think in the Bible are in verse number 10 where it says there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord. You know, my biggest fear is that there's a rising a group of teenagers, there's a rising a next generation that doesn't want God in their life, that doesn't need God in their life. You know, the ultimate form of pride in our lives is not walking around with your chin up in the air and, you know, uh, uh, acting like you're, you're something. The ultimate form of pride in our lives is not praying. Because by not praying, we're telling God, hey God, you know what, I've got everything under control. I don't need you today. But there arose a generation in the Word of God in the book of Judges who knew not the Lord. And I believe that there's a rising a generation today who chooses not to follow God, who chooses not to know God. And I believe that it's our fault. Here's a question for you. What goals do you have for your children? What goals do you have for the next generation? What are you doing to invest in your children? And your grandchildren, you know what, often I hear around, you know, not just here, but in California, that the goal for their children is that one day their children would play professional sports. And if their kids could play in the NFL or the NBA or professional baseball, then you know what, that would be the greatest joy that they would have in their lives, knowing that their kid was able to obtain that. And to me, I think if that's, if that's your goal, then that's, that's not a very noteworthy goal. Well, you say, well, 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 what do you obtain from that? Fame, popularity, notoriety, money, maybe it's a career, you know, pleasure, enjoyment, have happiness. You know what? The goal that I have for my children is I want them to find God's will for their lives. I want them to seek God's will, whatever that may be. And that doesn't mean that if they're seeking God's will that they're going to be a missionary in Africa. But what it does mean is whatever career feel that they choose, that they seek God and desire God's presence and desire God's power. Because if we're not seeking that, friend, then we're living a life that's worthless. God's will for their lives. 3 John 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. What brings joy in your life? Maybe it's fishing or hunting or bowling or golf or a recreation or hobby. You know what? We invest a lot of time and energy and money into what brings us joy. Yet how much have we invested in the next generation? You know, I'm glad in a church that I'm in a church that still runs the bus ministry. Yet I hate to say it that we weren't able to run a bus this last Sunday because we didn't have enough workers. We didn't have enough drivers. But you know what? That's the next generation. What hope do these children have that are running around the streets if they don't have God? If they don't have somebody who's there that's going to be an encouragement to them, who's going to tell them about Jesus, who's going to invest in them and tell them, hey, they're worth something with their lives. But often now what we see is school shootings and mass shootings and all these things going on. And let me tell you, I've got the solution today. And it doesn't involve gun control. What it involves is getting back to God. What it involves is getting back to valuing human life. What it goes back to is putting God back on the throne and being responsible 
for our actions and loving our kids and going back to the family. But the devil wants to break all that up and he's done a good job of it. I want children who are not carried away with every wind and doctrine that may come about. I want my children to know the God of the Bible and want the next generation to know that God is real, that Jesus saves, that God will never leave us nor forsake us, and that they're worth something with their lives. You know, I've heard stories growing up about the Great Depression and how folks used to pray just to get food on the table. And I can say that I've never had to experience that. However, I know that God still answers prayer. So how did we come to this situation where there arose a generation who knew not the Lord? Let's look at Scripture to find out some information about this devastating statement. In chapter 1 and verse number 19, the Bible says, And the Lord was with Judah, and He drove out the inhabitants of the mountains, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron. And that statement makes me pause to say, well, if the Lord was with him, how could he not drive him out? If God's for us, who can be against us? In chapter 1 and verse number 21, the Bible says, And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. In chapter 1 and verse number 27, the Bible says, Neither did Manasseh, Drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean and her towns, nor Tanak and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Eblium and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Megiddo or her towns. But the Canaanites would dwell in the land. In verse 28, and it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not utterly drive them out. In the next eight verses, it details about all the people who were originally in the land that God had promised to the children of Israel that they did not drive out. And you say, well, what's, what's the problem with that? I mean, it's good to be neighborly. It's good to be friendly, right? Well, look at Judges chapter 2 and verse number 1. We'll find out why that was a problem. In, in Judges 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and I brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Hey, isn't it good that if there's a command in the Bible, if there's a covenant in the Bible that God is going to stick to it, hey, that God never breaks His word even though we do, even though we falter and we fail, God never fails. Isn't that great to know? In verse number 2, and it says, And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars but ye have not obeyed my voice. So we've got here God fulfilling His command, God giving them the land, God delivering them out of Egypt when they cried to God and said, God, get us out of here. And He brought them out and brought them to the land. But He told them, hey, when you go into the land, I don't want you to make friends with them. I don't want you to make leagues with them. As a matter of fact, I want you to throw down their altars. But it says here that they've not obeyed His voice. And then it asks one question, why have you done this? And verse number three, wherefore I also uh, said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare unto you. And it shall come to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these things, uh, these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and they wept. 
And they called the name of that place Bochim, and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. The Lord told them that they weren't supposed to make leagues or friendships with the people of the land, the heathens, the people who didn't believe in God, the people who served other gods. They were supposed to drive them out. They were supposed to destroy their altars. And let me just say in our lives that we should not allow others to have an influence in our lives. Those that don't serve the same God as we do. Those that have different beliefs that we do. We shouldn't make friendships with them. We shouldn't make affinities with them. Why is that? You say, well, I'm trying to influence them. I'm trying to encourage them. No, more often than not, they take us down with them. Uh, you know, uh, you, you've heard the statement before, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? So when it comes to Bible principles, hey, when it comes to things in the Bible, we need to be very careful who we're friends with and who we associate with. Robert Coleman says about revival, the awakening or quickening of God's people to their true nature and purpose. You know what? That's what we need to get back to our na true nature, to get back to our true purpose of living for God, of serving God. We need revival. We need to get back to God, a place called Bochim, a place of weeping. You know what, I'm just going to talk about this place of Bochim and just describe it in a few uh, uh, points here tonight. The first one is, Bochim was a place of rebuke. A place of rebuke. In verse number two, it says here, but ye have not obeyed my voice. You know what we need to get back to in life is going back to the supreme authority of the Word of God. You know what, we've got too many people that like to discover, you know what, I know what's best, and it's not the Word of God. You know what, I know God says that, but really what He meant was this. We need to get back to the authority of the Word of God that if God says it, then I believe it and I'm going to follow it. We need to get back to some rebuke. You know what, I saw something even recently that said, in churches today, we have a lot of people that use the words, I'm offended, instead of the words, I'm convicted. And you know what, there needs to be a lot less offense going on and saying, well, I don't agree with that, or I don't agree with this, or that's not what I do. We need, some, we need our toes stepped on is what we need. We need some rebuke from the Holy Spirit in our lives if we're going to experience Bochim, a place of weeping. It's a place of rebuke. When is the last time that God rebuked you for something in your life? When is the last time that you were under conviction from the preaching of the Word of God? Or maybe it's something you said, or maybe it's something you did, that the Holy Spirit pricked your heart and said, hey, you ought not to be talking about that, or you, you probably shouldn't have said that. When's the last time that we've had rebuke in our lives? I think about a man named David, who did not go out when the kings were supposed to go to war. He took another man's wife and put the man out on the front line where he was killed. And as he was living in this sin, it took another prophet to come and tell a story to David. And he says at the end, thou art the man. You know, we do a great job at identifying the sins in others, but not in ourselves. It's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer Psalm 139, 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. When is the last time that you've had the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God for some things that we're doing in our lives? 
Or when is the last time that we ask God, hey, is there anything in my life that I need to cut off, that I need to get rid of, some things in my life that I've not driven out when I'm supposed to be driven out, that I've allowed to have an influence, that I've not broken down the altars and get to a place of rebuke. Bokim, a place of weeping. Hey, I see it's a place of rebuke. Secondly, I see a place of remembrance. A place of remembrance. In verse number two, there's a question that's asked, and that's the question, why? Have you done this? You know, we'd be doing good if we ask ourselves why we do some of the things that we do. And I'm not just talking about children. I'm not just talking about teenagers. I'm not just talking about young adults. I'm talking about adults. Why do we do some of the things that we do? You say, well, somebody else did it. Well, that's not a good reason, amen? We need to reevaluate the things that we're doing in our lives and we're saying, hey, you know what? We think sometimes that we have the freedom and we have the liberty to do whatever we want because nobody's a judge except for God. Nobody else can judge us. Nobody else can tell us anything to do that's wrong except for God. But you know, when's the time that we stop and think, hey, why am I doing the things that I'm doing and how does it influence others? Why are we allowing Satan to have a place in our lives, an influence in our lives? Why are we doing the same sins over and over again? Why are we making friends with this world? And you say, hey, well, you know what? Uh, you know, uh, this thing about obeying, yeah, I obey some things. And by the way, they obeyed it to a point, but they didn't obey fully. You know what? It reminds me of a man named Saul. And he kept back some of the sheep. He kept back some of the good things. And by the way, he said it was for a, a good reason. And we may say, hey, you know what? There's a good reason why I'm doing this. But let me just say this. The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. James 4, 4 says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That sounds like some strong preaching, but that's not my words. That's the word of God, the enemy of God. But we just want to fit in with the crowd. We don't want to be different. What will they think if I don't talk like they talk? What will they think if I don't do the things or go to the places that they go to? Let me just say this. It's time to throw down some altars. It's time to break some influences. It's time to stand up. Stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Remember what God has commanded for us to do. There was some provoking. It was saying, hey, why have you done this? A place of rebuke, a place of remembrance. Number three, a place of remorse. Look at verse number four. And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voice and wept. You know what? That's a great thing to do if the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart about something. But yet I find in today's day and age all too often we get upset. We get upset at the preacher. We get upset at the pastor. Well, he said this or he did this. Well, guess what? He's human. Just like all of us. Amen. And, and here's, you know, when we come to this place of remorse and saying, hey, you know what? I'm sorry for what I did. You know what? And there's two kinds of remorse. There's a kind of remorse that says, hey, I'm going to deal with, with it myself before God deals with it, or I'm going to wait till it's found out. And by the way, the Bible says, be sure your sin will 
finds you out, right? What you reap, that's what you're going to sow. And we may not sow it for years. It may be a long time. We may think that we're getting away with it. We may think that it's not affecting us. But the reality is it's not only affecting us, it's affecting the next generations and affecting those around us. These decisions that they made to not drive out and to not obey God, and we think, hey, I'm not going to obey God fully or I have some things in my life. The Holy Spirit's dealt with me. And, and you know what? Everything's still going well. There are some devastating consequences that are around the corner just because these people did not obey. But here we are with the word of God. We have the examples. Are we going to make a decision that, you know what, I'm going to obey? Hey, now is the time. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. When is the last time we wept over our sin? There are some consequences that were given as a result of this disobedience. In verse number three, it says, Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you. So you have here that it's like, hey, I'm not going to do the work for you. I, I asked you. I told you to do it. You didn't do it. Now here's the consequences. But they shall be as thorns in your sides. And their God shall be a snare unto you. And I'm not sure exactly what took place with that of how they were thorns in their side or snares at the immediate time. But I can say this, there are some immediate consequences and some future consequences to sinning, to not doing what God tells us to do. I would say this, that there was some remorse down the road when verse number 10 comes along and it says here, there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord. I, I can guarantee there's some remorse that took place then. We wonder why our kids graduate and they leave church never to return again. And the question is, are we obeying God? Are we allowing God to be God in our lives? Are we allowing Satan to have a foothold in our marriages, in our choices, in our decisions? What they allowed to stay was what influenced their children. It's what influenced the next generation. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 6, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. When was the last time we had the chastening of the Lord? A place of rebuke, a place of remembrance, a place of remorse. And lastly, I find it's a place of reconciliation. What should be our response when the Holy Spirit deals with us and said, hey, we've not obeyed. Why have you not done this? You know, there should be some remorse, but not just remorse and not just a feeling, not just emotion to say, hey, I'm going to get right with God. Hey, God, I'm going I'm to make a change, but to do something about it. In verse number five, the Bible says, and they sacrifice there unto the Lord. The people wept. They called the name of the place Bochum, and then they sacrificed to the Lord. They got right. It didn't stop with an emotion of sorrow. It led to sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice or give up tonight to have God's power on your life? To have God's power on your family? The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There's no sin that I want in my life that I want greater than God's power or God's answer to prayer. The next generation didn't see the battles that were fought for the Lord. They saw the worldly influence that was allowed in their lives. Bokim. Look at uh, verse number 13, chapter 2 and verse number 13. Watch this. Uh, let, let's start in verse number 11. It says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. Verse number 12, And they forsook the Lord, God of their fathers. In verse 13 it says, They forsook the Lord and served 
Baal and Ashtaroth. You know what? The next generation is going to serve someone. And you know what? It was that influence that those people did not drive out, that influence that they allowed into their lives, that now that little bit of influence that was in your life that you allowed, guess what happened now? Your children are serving it. They're servants to that influence. So let's get it right. Let's stop the influence. Let's not have Satan have a foothold or an influence in our lives that one day our kids are going to serve him one day because we allowed it in our lives. It's been said before, what you do in moderation, those coming after you will do in excess. So let's not allow it at all. Bokim, a place of weeping. I'm not sure where we're at in our lives. Maybe it's some rebuke that needs to take place. Maybe it's happening. Maybe it's some remembrance. Remembering that where we were one time, we were closer to God or God dealt with me or I remember God's so real at this point. Well, let's get back to that point. And by the way, it doesn't have to be a specific location, amen? It can be here at this altar tonight. It can be by your bedside tonight. It can take place at any time that God wants you to be there. So if I want to get right with God, if I want God to speak to my heart, I don't have to go to Illinois to Camp Joy and say, God, you dealt with me here, and this is the only place that you can meet with me. God can meet with me in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, and he can meet with you as well. A place of remembrance, maybe it's some remorse. And there's some remorse that's going on in your life with some things that you've allowed in that it's time to get right. And that's some reconciliation to say, hey God, you know what, I'm willing to sacrifice some things in order to be right with you. What is in your life? A place called Bokem. A place of weeping, of remembrance. And you know what, there were some long-lasting consequences. There was some weeping that took place then and some weeping that took place later as a consequence for not obeying God. You know what we can do in our lives is obey God. Whatever God has for our lives to obey every spiritual impulse. You know what, I want revival in my life. I want God to do something great. I want God to deal with my heart. And where does it begin? It begins with a broken and contrite heart. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.